Well, let's go ahead as, uh, let's see if we can do this. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe sometimes you're thinking this three-time repeating thing, who needs it? But maybe today, maybe today we feel the need for it. Uh, unfortunately, we are going to be on two slides with this verse, so we don't get to see the words disappear, but we'll replace them with some blanks as we go through it. But just, just as a, a beginning, let's go ahead and read through it uh, together, shall we? Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Okay, let's, now we're going to get rid of a few of the words. And uh, what can I say? There's good stuff at the very beginning and then all of verse 17. I don't know how much we really need the, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, but it, it's part of the verse. It's what Paul wrote, so we're going we're gonna to memorize it too, okay? Let's say this again together. Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it... The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. All right, one last time. We're going to leave all the little words, take away the big words, and see how we do. Just fill in the blanks as we go along, and hopefully we'll start getting it. Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. All right, good job. And uh, this is the beginning of a focus, a series on faith. On faith. And, and that is what it is about. That uh, coming to faith and what we obtain through our faith. But the, the, the central focus for today is this idea of power. Paul says that the Gospel is the power of God for salvation. That that is... Uh, how he goes about bringing salvation to people. It is the power of God. And Paul says in verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the Gospel. I am not ashamed of it because for it is the power of God for salvation. Now when we see things like for, we, we kind of have an idea that stuff is coming before it. So what is it? What is the reason why Paul feels it necessary to say, I am not ashamed of the Gospel? What does it mean to be ashamed of something? And are we ever tempted or do we ever feel ashamed of the Gospel? 
Now you might say, no, of course I don't feel ashamed of the Gospel. Well, let me ask you this. Do you ever feel silly for sharing it or feeling the, that maybe you should share it with a person in a certain experience or time and you think, oh, this isn't the time for that or oh, they wouldn't understand or they wouldn't get it. You know, Paul regularly acknowledges that the Gospel comes across as foolishness to, to the nations to the people of the world. And because other people think something is foolish, we can often feel ashamed. The, the word to be ashamed means, and the, the Greek word that's being translated there, is, is the idea of having fitting disgrace. So you've been disgraced for something and you have the proper feelings of that disgrace. The, the same is true for us in English. Uh, ashamed means to be embarrassed or guilty because of one's actions. Or you could be uh, reluctant to do something through fear of embarrassment. So when Paul is saying, I am not ashamed of the Gospel, he says, I'm not embarrassed to be associated with it. I'm not embarrassed to be attached to it. I'm not embarrassed to share it. Even if the, the world around me thinks it's foolish. And they often laughed at him. There were times, I think, of you know, when Paul was talking to Agrippa and, and Agrippa just starts laughing. I cannot believe you're actually claiming these things, Paul. And the Athenians, remember we looked at last week, just briefly touched on it, that the Athenians, when Paul got to talking about the resurrection of the dead, they laughed. They broke up the meeting. He couldn't finish his sermon. He couldn't finish his talk about this faith in God because they thought the idea of the resurrection of the dead so ridiculous. We have in our minds pictures of Paul preaching and people receiving salvation. And, and we see that often throughout Scripture. But we also see Paul at times having to be lowered out of a window in a basket and running, being run out of town. People laughing at him. People rejecting his message. And, and, and when you feel like people are going to reject something, you can be a little bit timid to share it. Are we ever ashamed? Are we ever afraid to be embarrassed of the Gospel? That if I share it, people are going to laugh at me. If I, if I think this... you know, or, or, And it can be even share the gospel, but I know they're going to have questions and I don't think I'm able to answer those questions. So we keep it quiet. I don't know about you, but when I've done that, my internal feelings are like this. I don't know what shame looks like to you, but I think sometimes we've all probably been ashamed of the gospel to share it with others. But Paul is saying, I am not ashamed why is he not ashamed ashamed if we go back just a couple of verses to romans chapter 1 verse 14 and this is as he is telling them about his excitement about coming to rome his plans to go to rome his desire to go to rome that he has been wanting to see them and, and that he wants to bless them with the gospel and and receive a blessing from them as he anticipates and envisions himself moving forward to go to a mission trip to Spain. He wants to spread the gospel to the reaches, the far reaches of the Roman Empire. And he wants them to help him. And he's excited about coming and sharing with them 
the message that he has to share with them from the gospel. And he says, because I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, those who are learned, who have uh, our, our language, but also those who are outside of the empire, those who don't, uh, don't speak Greek, who don't have uh, letters, who are living in different ways. They don't abide by our laws, both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. He says, I am open to sharing the gospel with everybody. So for my part... I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. He says, I'm excited to tell it to wise people. I'm excited to tell it to, to foolish people. I'm excited to talk to Greeks about it. He's already proving himself to want to tell the Jewish people about it. He even is willing to talk to barbarians about the gospel. And because of that, because he feels himself personally under obligation to share the gospel with everybody he comes across, no matter what circumstance he is in, he is eager to share with them the gospel who are in Rome as well. Paul is eager. He is looking for opportunities. He is ready. And so my question for us, are we eager? Do we have a sense of eagerness in sharing the gospel for yourself specifically ask yourself am i eager to share the gospel are you so excited about it and so blessed by it that you're hoping to be able to give it to somebody else to share with them this news about jesus and remember that when we say gospel what are we talking about? It's the good news of Jesus. The, the word that we're translating as gospel, we, we've turned it into almost you know, a capital letter thing for ourselves, although in my translation, gospel is a lowercase word, so that's why I've got it like that up there. But we've turned it into a proper noun, just like the Bible. Biblios is books, but it is the book. In a similar way, the word gospel, when Paul wrote it, he didn't talk about a gospel. He was talking about good news. A lot of people can have good news. You can have a lot of different kinds of good news, but when he talks about good news, the reason why we've used this word gospel is because it's a specific good news. The good news about what God has done through Jesus for us. If you go all the way back to, chapter, to verse 1 of chapter 1, when Paul is introducing his letter to them, uh, he says, Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, the good news of God, which he promised, the good news that he is talking about is that which God has promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, and it is concerning his Son, concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David, according to the flesh. So, so he's, he's saying, this is the good news that I'm talking about. It's the stuff that God has proclaimed through the prophets. It is recorded in Scripture, and it is concerning his son. And we know who his son is. His son was born of a descendant of David, according to the flesh. But then in verse 4, who was declared the son of God with power, by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ, 
our Lord. So, so according to the flesh, born as a descendant of David, but according to the Spirit. And of course, we know that Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit in Mary. But He is declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. Remember last week we looked about at this hope, this, this faith in the resurrection of the dead that, that if we confess with our mouths Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised Him from the dead. This is the, the good news that God has fulfilled His prophecies that He has proclaimed from, from the beginning of time. They are fulfilled in His Son, Jesus, who is a, the, the proper Messiah. He is a descendant of David. And we, we know that he, this is true. We know that He is God. That we know that He is the Messiah because it has been proven to us through His resurrection from the dead. He, he is declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead according to the Spirit of holiness. And that's why Jesus, the Messiah, is Lord. That's, that's the good news. That's the Gospel. That, that's not the, the entirety of the Gospel, though. If, if we roll over real quick to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in verse 17 and 18, Paul again writing to the church in Corinth, he says, For Christ did not send me to baptize. He's been talking about, the church is talking about, oh, we follow Peter and we follow Apollos and we follow Paul. And he says, I didn't, nobody was baptized into my name. You shouldn't follow me. In fact, I didn't even baptize people. And then he's like, well, wait a minute, there were a few people I baptized. But other than them, I don't, I don't have a ministry of going around baptizing people. I, I'm not sent to baptize, is what he's saying here. But instead, to preach the gospel, to preach the good news, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. Now, we, we, we saw in Romans where he was focused on the resurrection from the dead. Now he's talking about the cross of Christ. He says, and I, I wanted to make sure when I'm preaching the good news of who Jesus is, I'm not trying to use clever speech. I'm not, I'm not trying to be smarter than you are so that you have to accept my arguments. No, I don't want to do that so that I make the cross of Christ void. I'm just going to proclaim to you Christ crucified. Not with cleverness of speech. And, and, and just a little while later in verse 22, he says, for indeed, Jews ask for signs... And Greeks search for wisdom. The Jewish people are always saying, show us, show us, make a sign. Show us this is true. The Greeks are trying to argue the ideas and they're looking for the wisdom. And he says, look, the Jews are looking for signs. They're asking for signs. Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. To Jews, a stumbling block. And to Gentiles, foolishness it's a stumbling block to the jewish people because they they do not understand the messiah being crucified that the messiah was supposed to defeat all the enemies of israel by defeating them in battle by being victorious if anybody should have died it should have been their enemies but jesus said no i have come so that i might die on your behalf that you might have life. 
He did come to kill and, and, and to defeat our, all of our enemies. Uh, it's just the fact that our enemies are ourselves. Our enemies, our true enemy is sin and death. And He defeated it through the cross. But it is, it is stumbling block. They, they trip over it. They cannot accept it. They do not like the idea of God dying on a cross. How can the immortal die mortal death? And so they refuse it. They reject it. Not only that, the Gentiles, they just think it's foolishness. As, as we saw in, in Athens, the, the idea of the resurrection is foolishness. The idea that you're going to worship a God who was crucified. Now, you know, think of the way the world works even today. People follow power. We were watching a miniseries on John Adams and uh, Benjamin Franklin refers to George Washington and says he has to lead something. He's so tall. Like no matter where he goes, because he's the tallest person, he is going to be singled out as a leader. And we do things like that. Those who are tall or those who are big or those who are strong can oftentimes be put in charge of things, regardless of whether they're capable, regardless of whether they have gifting or skills, just because they look proper. And the same is true for the gods of the old days. You know, you don't want the god who comes as a man with questionable parentage. We're not sure who his daddy was. We're not even truly sure where he was born. All we know is he was a day laborer who, who's been wandering around teaching people he doesn't even have money. He doesn't even have proper followers. No, all of his followers are a bunch of workers. A bunch of people who didn't make the grade to move on and be educated by proper rabbis. And now you're telling me that not only does he have all this going against him, but his great thing is dying on a cross? Being found guilty by Rome? Being rejected and accused by his own countrymen? And you're going to tell us that that's, that's the great big plan, that that's what puts him above everybody else, and that's why I should follow him because he died on a cross? And then you really want me to believe that he rose again when we know that the resurrection is just foolishness? And so the Gentiles there, you know, the Jews, they, they, they're looking for signs, but the Gentiles, they just think it's foolishness, and they trip over it. And I would say even today, a lot of people, we, we are Gentiles mostly, non-Jews, we trip over the foolishness as it appears to humanize of the gospel. And it's one of the reasons why, uh, you know, people don't mind Christmas. There's a lot of baggage that comes along with it, so it's okay if you want to have your little, you know, baby in a manger along with everything else. But no, the baby in the manger is the whole point. Those things that look so foolish, they're what really matter. And if we look at it as the foolishness that the Gentiles do, or if we anticipate their response of laughing at us because we think it's foolish, maybe we'll be a little bit hesitant or embarrassed to share. Maybe we'll be a little bit ashamed. But Paul, um, he continues in verse 24, you know, to Jews a stumbling block, to Gentiles foolishness, but... To those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks. So while it's a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Greeks, 
but to those who are called out of both the Jewish people and the non-Jewish people, the Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Paul says, I don't want to use clever speech. I don't want to try to convince you by by cleverness. No, I'm just going to proclaim Jesus Christ crucified. And and He might be a stumbling block to you, or you might view it as foolishness. But to those who are called, those who are the called, the elect, those who are going to receive it, and they can be Jewish people and they can be Greek people, but to them, this message of Jesus Christ crucified is the power of God and the wisdom of God. That's the good news. That's why He is not afraid. That's why He is eager and not ashamed to share it. Yeah, there are people that are going to laugh about it. And there are people that are going to reject it. And there are going to be people who don't give it the time of day. And there are going to be people who look down upon Him because of it. But He knows that it is the wisdom of God. He knows that the Gospel is the power of God. That the Gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God. And that's what he's saying here in verse 16 of chapter 1 of Romans. I am not ashamed of the Gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It is is the power of God for salvation. Now that, that word power, dunamis in the Greek, it means might or strength. Over one-fifth of the times that word is translated in the New Testament as miracle. So when we talk about Jesus performing miracles, performing might, performing power, He does things that are mighty, that are amazing, that are miraculous. That is Him displaying God's power. And, G- and Paul is saying that the Gospel, the Gospel is God's power for salvation. It is the way He goes about doing it. He brings about salvation through the Gospel message. And, and, and to whom? To everyone who believes. And, and believes, belief is, uh, to, or, or to believe is to have faith. It is, the, it is the practice and the action of having faith. A, a person who believes is a person who has obtained that thing, that noun, faith. And it's the action of having faith. It is being those who believe. It is being a, um, identified by your faith. That's, that's what the good news of Jesus Christ, the, the message that we share, that's how God brings about salvation. Because you now we, we, we believe in Jesus, but how do we hear about Jesus? How can you believe in, as Paul says later on in Romans, how can they believe in Him in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear unless they have been preached to? And how can they preach unless they have, have gone? And how can they go unless they have been sent? How do people believe in somebody they don't hear about? You have to hear about it. And that's what he's focuses on this on on the gospel we're not trying to convince them that jesus is a good teacher we're not trying to convince them on on jesus's morality or or the benefits if you'll follow his five-step plan to to wealth and a good life that is not what that that's all the 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 
cleverness that humans try to add. No, Jesus Christ crucified and then resurrected. That is the good news, that by believing in that, we can have life, we can have righteousness, we can have forgiveness of our sins. And it is done through the Gospel message. And believing the Gospel message is how people come to salvation. Hearing it and believing it is how we come to salvation. So anytime a person has tried to share their faith without proclaiming the Gospel clearly and simply, we are actually getting in the way of true salvation. If a person ever shares their faith or, or tries to share their Gospel without proclaiming Jesus Christ dead on the cross, buried for three days, risen again, if the, the Gospel message becomes something else Jesus used for our own ends, we keep people from obtaining salvation. Because salvation comes... To, through the Gospel. The Gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. They're not going to believe, and it's this kind of the idea of you have truth, and you can always work with truth. You know, whether it's something you like to hear or not, you can always work with truth. But you can't work with a lie. If you start with a lie, everything is going to go wrong. You know, if you're building a house and, and your, your foundation is poor, you haven't made it well, maybe there's not enough rebar, maybe it's the wrong kind of rebar, maybe there's a, a problem with the, the makeup of your concrete, and you have somebody come by and they inspect it, and they know it's poor, they know it's bad, they know it's no good, but they say it, it's fine, it passes. And now you go building a house on a foundation that is faulty. You might feel good that you don't have all that cost of having to redo it, but everything else is faulty. But if you have somebody who comes by and gives you the truth, your foundation is bad. You need to break it up and redo it. Even though it hurts to hear that. That is something you can work with for life. And that's what truth is. That's what the Gospel is. That's what we should be sharing with one another. It hurts to hear the truth. But we got to hear it. And you got to hear the truth about Jesus that He died on the cross for your sins. That He was dead and buried, but He rose again. That God raised Him from the dead, and because of that, He is alive today, and you can have life through Him. And part of believing in Him is acknowledging your sin. And acknowledging that you're not perfect. That you're not righteous. And that, that can hurt. Jews say, I don't, I don't want to listen to that. It trips me up. Greeks say, oh, that seems foolish to me. I, I'm not going to follow that. But if we don't give them the truth as clearly and as simply as we possibly can, we may be getting in the way of them believing. Because we might convince them of a Gospel that is not the Gospel. They might believe something that is not true. They might not firmly understand who Jesus Christ is. They might not believe in Him. They might just think, oh, I've just got to do these things and, and I'll be okay. We've got to be 
giving them the gospel. It has to be clear and simple and true so that they might believe it is the power of God for salvation. We don't have to convince them. We don't have to trick them. We can let God do His work through His chosen medium. The good news of Jesus Christ is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. He's the Jewish Messiah. He came to the Jews first, but He is for the world. And then Paul tells us in verse 17, for in it, in the Gospel, in the Gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed. It is made known to us from faith to faith. As we share the Gospel, as we believe in it for ourselves, we have faith. The Gospel of Jesus Christ is, through it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. From those who believe to those who come to believe. We pass on and trade the Gospel, the good news, we share about it, and in it, the righteousness of God is revealed to us. As he concludes there, as it is written, but the righteous man. And there's a reason why man is not in small caps up there and why it's italic. I don't always do this, but I'm doing it here because it's just added in by English translators. The righteous shall live by faith. The righteous people, the righteous man, the righteous woman, the righteous person is going to live by faith. That's what he tells us. That, that in the gospel of Jesus Christ, in the good news, the righteousness of God is revealed to faith, or from faith to faith. Now, what does it mean that his righteousness is revealed in it? You know, all righteousness for all times, believe it or not, is received the same way we receive it today through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Abraham, what is it? What does Paul tells about Abraham in just a couple of chapters? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He heard what God said. There was no evidence for what God said in his life. You are going to have so many descendants that they are going to be greater than the stars in the sky, and their number is going to be greater than the sand on the ground. Abraham at that time had no heir. He was even thinking, a servant in my household is going to be my heir because I am old and I am going to die without a kid. And God said, no. You're going to have so many descendants, they're going to be greater than the number of the sand. And Abraham believed God. He took God at His Word. He trusted what God said. There was no evidence for it. It seemed foolish. But he believed God. And because he believed, it was credited to him as righteousness. He was given righteousness. He was a righteous man because he believed God. And that is what righteousness ultimately is. To be righteous is to be correct or just in the eyes of God. Righteousness is the quality of having obtained that standard of being just in God's eyes. Righteousness is always received through faith. Even at the very beginning. Think of Adam. God created Adam. 
right? Adam was perfect. Adam had never sinned. What did Adam need to do? Believe God. God told him some things. God said, I have given you all the trees. You may eat of any of them, just don't eat out of the one at the center that is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All Adam had to do was believe God. Don't eat it. Why? It looks good. God said, don't eat it. Oh, but that fruit looks good and it can give me knowledge and wisdom. But God said, do we trust God or we trust our own eyes? Do we trust God or we trust our own understanding? Eve trusted her eyes. Eve trusted her understanding. Adam followed along. See, even the righteousness that Adam had as, a, as, a, as a, a created being who had not sinned yet, that was only given to him by God. God created him. He had nothing of his own, nothing of his own ability. Everything is from God. And throughout history, ever since, what has made a person righteous, we like to think about righteousness as our actions. What makes us righteous is whether or not we believe God. That is what makes a person righteous in the Old Testament. They're a righteous person, not because they don't do wrong things, but because when God said go, they went. When God said circle the city one time for six days, and on the seventh day circle it seven times, everybody thought, well, that makes sense. Yeah, I've heard about this strategy before. No, it's insane. It's foolish. But they did it. They they believed God. And that's what makes a person righteous, not your actions. Your your belief in God is what makes you righteous. And then, as you act out your faith, your behavior will be righteous. But righteousness is only ever obtained through faith. Righteousness is not our behavior. It's not how we go about things. It is obtained through faith, by believing God. God has said, and we have a choice when God says something, do we do it or do we go our own way? And righteousness, righteousness is about believing God. We believe God, we are righteous. That's why the righteousness of God is revealed through the Gospel because the Gospel can seem so foolish to humanity. But if we believe it, if we believe what He has told us, I can't go and see Jesus today. I can't find His body. I can't find the grave. I can't find the cross. I have to believe what other people have told me. I have to believe what John wrote who was there at the foot of the cross with Mary. I have to believe what Peter told other people when he saw Jesus resurrected. I have to believe Paul when he says, I was on my way to Damascus. I was going to arrest and throw Christians in jail But then this light and this voice out of the light spoke to me. We have to believe what they said. We have to believe what God has said through the message of Jesus. And if we believe it, if we believe, if we have faith in it, then we will live. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. It has been passed down to us. And we are called to live by faith. It is never something that we are able to obtain on our own. It can only be given to us by believing in God. Not just, I always, 
Not just believing in God. Believing God. Believing what He has said. Believing what He has declared. And that's why Paul is not ashamed. That's why he is eager to share. Because he knows that there are people out there that aren't going to accept it. He knows that there are people who are going to laugh at him. And he knows there are people that are going to get angry with him. And he knows there are people that are going to drive him out of town if they can't whip him and beat him and stone him to death first. But he also knows there are people who are going to hear it. They're going to hear a simple message about Jesus Christ dying on the cross and three days later rising again. And they're going to have all sorts of questions of how, how, why. And we're not going to have all the answers. We have a basic understanding of why. We don't know how. But there are going to be people who, even though it sounds foolish to human ears, they're going to believe. They're going to hear it and they're going to hear from God and they're going to believe God. And they're going to have faith in that message and they're going to have faith in Jesus Christ and they're going to believe and have faith in what God has said. And because of that, they will receive salvation. They will be acknowledged as being righteous because they believe in their heart. So Paul is eager. He is not ashamed. And I want to invite us to be eager to share the gospel message clearly and simply. You don't have to make it clever. You don't have to have all the answers afterwards. A person who truly believes, God will give them the answers they need over time. If you look at your own life, there were probably many times where you said, I just don't know, I don't understand. I don't have the answer, but I'm going to stick with God because I know He's true. That's what Abraham did. I don't know, God. I don't see it. He wavered. His wife gave him her servant maid and he had a child with him and God said, no, not your way, my way. And he was still considered righteous because he still believed. Don't worry about making it something that people can understand. Just share it. And be ready for people to laugh at you. Be ready for people to reject you. But be ready for people to believe too. Let's say this one last time together, shall we? Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the Gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that none of us in here are righteous in and of ourselves. We are not righteous because of our behavior, our actions, our thoughts. We are righteous because we believe. And by having faith in Jesus Christ, we will live. Lord, help us to live every day, not based on what our eyes see or what our 
our um, mind and our wisdom tells us. But we pray that we would live every day more and more based on what You have said and what You declare to us. Whether it is something we can see or not, may we have faith in what You have proclaimed. Help us, Lord, to live in faith. And we pray, Father, for anyone in this room that has never placed their faith in Jesus. May they hear the, the truth that we are sinners. That we are unrighteous in and of ourselves. That we are destined for destruction and judgment. But that You have sent Your Son. That He died on the cross for us. And He rose again to pay the penalty for our sins and to give us life. We pray, Lord, that that message would speak to their hearts, that they would respond in faith, that they would believe You and what You have said, that they would believe what You have done. And we pray, Father, for those that we know at home, maybe at work or in our neighborhoods or family, and we, we struggle with them because they laugh at it or they stumble over this question or that question. Father, we pray that You would open up their hearts that they might receive the Gospel message, the good news of Jesus. That they would believe You and not constantly look for answers or solutions, but believe You. We pray that You would bring them to a place where they, they trust You and have faith in You, Lord. That they might receive salvation. And we pray, Lord, for ourselves that we would be eager and ready and looking for opportunities to share the, the good news of Jesus Christ for the salvation of those around us. Lord, help us not to be ashamed. Help us not to be embarrassed. Help us to get over ourselves and hold on to You. We ask, Father, today for opportunities to share our faith. That we might pass our faith from us to another person who would have faith that they might see Your righteousness as well. Give us opportunity today and this week, Father, we pray. Help us to be ready for it, to seize it when it's in front of us, that we could share this good news of Jesus. We ask this today in Jesus' name. Amen.